Well, you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Glory to God in the highest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is good. As we're seated this morning, we got some some folks that uh, are needing prayer. I want us to, in this spirit of faith, to touch and agree uh, for... Uh, Many people that uh, are uh, experiencing, they're under the weather, children under the weather, and uh, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your precious blood. I thank you for your word, Lord God. I thank you for your word of healing this morning. Father God, if you didn't want us to be healed, then you wouldn't have made our bodies to even heal themselves. And so, Father God, you also gave us your word. Lord God, by your stripes, we can be healed. So we just rebuke all sickness, COVID, flu, all virus in the name of Jesus. Lord, some even got a battling cancer this morning. We just pray, Father God, your Holy Spirit, your grace and your word, your anointing dissolve all those cancer cells as we walk and live into your kingdom purpose here on earth. Thank you, Lord God. No sickness, no disease can take us out when we're walking in your perfect will. We love you for it and we praise you for it. So we lift them up now. We send a word of healing. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, give him one more hand clap of praise for his healing plan. <clears throat> Glory to God. I'm glad you're here. Welcome those that are watching online. Stay tuned if you can. Shake yourself. Drink a cup of coffee if you have to. Whatever you need to do. Because I believe that what I'm going to share here for the next few minutes uh, is going to help us understand who we are, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing, and what this thing... Uh, uh, called Christianity is all about. Why do we come to church? Why do we worship? Why do we do the things that we do? And in the midst of a world that is uh, definitely opposed to um, our practices, our beliefs, our our uh, our prayers, our desire, but there's a reason for that, and we're going to get into that for just a little bit. I want to start out this morning. I got up here. Uh, this is uh, anybody know what this is? It's a passport. Uh, these are. This is just one of those that we gave out. We did a series, um, and we used these passports. Everybody got one, and we were talking a little bit uh, about uh, citizenship and what have you. I'm going to talk on that a little bit today, but I'm going to expound on it because I really believe that if we can tap into this understanding, it's going to be a staple uh, in us moving forward as the children of God because if the enemy can do anything, it is to create an atmosphere of disappointment around you. And um, unmet expectation is the seedbed for disappointment. And sometimes we uh, set expectations, even expectations of God, uh, that are based upon our uh, personal preference palette a posture in the world today, what we're facing, what we're up against. And then we put an expectation on the word and God and if it doesn't happen when, how, and where we want it to, disappointment settles in. The enemy causes you to doubt God. He causes you to doubt the word, causes you to doubt, is there even a God? And all the crazy things that he does. But if we can get this today, I think we can just grab a hold of an anchor, uh, a, a staple that we can uh, remain steadfast in our journey through this life because it is a journey. Amen? All right. So, 
A passport represents your citizenship. And this morning, I want you to know that if you were born in America, you are a citizen of the United States of America. Is that right? Every person here today. And as a citizen of the United States of America, you, you're, born, you, you, you're born into a family, you grow up, some have uh, you know, better opportunity and circumstances than others, and, and some uh, are born with a silver spoon in their mouth, and some are born uh, in single-parent homes, some are born... Uh, without uh, and giving up for adoption. I mean, there's different things, but nonetheless, no matter how you came in uh, to this world, if you were born into the United States, you are a citizen. So as you grow up and you learn about the rules of the citizenship of the United States of America, uh, you learn to uh, apply those rules so you can be a functioning, prosperous citizen. Amen. Be a, a contribution to society in America. And so what kids do, they go to school, you learn different things, and all the time you're searching and you're seeking and you're trying to find out who you are, right? I mean, in high school, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to be when you grow up? We talk to our kids from seven years old. What are you going to be when you grow up? I ask my grandbabies all the time. You got a job yet? What are you doing? And so, so that, that's just kind of how we roll here. What are you going to be? be? Because we lay out an expectation that you have the opportunity to be that, right? If you want to do that, America gives you probably the greatest opportunity of any country in the world to give you an opportunity to, for you to do what you want to do, to become what you want to become, become as successful as you can possibly be, right? So we're learning that. So, so they, they get through high school and college. What am I going to do when I get to college? Am I going to go to trade school? Am I going to get a bachelor's degree? Am I going to be a doctor? Am I going to, I'm going to climb power lines and, um, and string electricity wire across the, what am I going to do? I'm going to operate heavy equipment. And you're just trying to find your way as a citizen of the United States. And you're trying to dial in on it. And so you've tried this thing. I know some people are, have become professional students. They, they stay in college from 18 to 30 years old trying to find out what they want to do. Well, I tried this, didn't like that. I tried this, didn't like that. Okay, they're going to pay it, and the next month, I'm going to stay in. I got approved, I'm going to stay four more years. Whatever it's going to be, I'm going to try to figure this thing out. So it's not easy to do. The simplicity of, uh, the, if you want to break it down to uh, a, the simplest form, get a job, live on your own, and learn how to budget and pay your bills, Right? That's what I did when I turned 18. I got out, had a job, lived with a couple buddies in an apartment, and we paid the bills, and we lived our lives and thought we were having fun. Right? So that's what you want. It's a lot harder today because it's, for some, it's a lot more expensive to do that today, but you can still do it. You get about two or three buddies, say, hey, let's go get an apartment together. Uh, you, you, you can work and you can cut grass and you can go over here and drive a forklift and you can go over here and, and uh, work at uh, Walmart and we'll split this $15,000 a month rent between the three of us. Right? And you're on your own. You're out from under. You're, you're no longer in the house. You're doing your thing and you're figuring it out. Well, I submit to you this morning that being a citizen of the United States of America has its privileges. So what does that mean as a Christian and as a believer? 
Now, this is where the dichotomy begins to happen. So, the Bible says in John 3 and verse 3, the story goes like this. Nicodemus came to Jesus and says, how can uh, we enter into the kingdom and become a citizen of the kingdom of God? Basically, he's saying, Jesus said, you must be born again in order to inherit the kingdom or be part of the kingdom of God. Or in other words, to become a citizen of heaven, right? You have to be born into it. Ah, yeah. So, so you, you can't come any other way. Jesus said, if, if they come any other way, the same is but a thief and a robber. He says, I'm the only way in the kingdom citizenship. You want to be a part of the kingdom of God. You got to come in through me. You must be born again. Well, what does that even mean? If you want to talk about being born again, we're talking about the peace, a part of the kingdom of heaven, God's eternal kingdom, becoming one with your spirit. That happens when you open up your heart, you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you repent of your sins, you turn your back on the devil and his system, right, his kingdom, and let me just throw this in here emphatically. This world is Satan's kingdom. The Bible says in Colossians that Satan is the God, little G-O-D, God of this world. The Bible says in the book of Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. That word world means, in that particular text in Romans 12, a system of thoughts, opinions, and ideals. Don't be conformed to it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. you got to learn something new about the kingdom you've been born into if you're going to have and live a life filled with victory, peace, joy, and hope in the midst of living in the, a world whose God and whose system is run by the arch enemy of God himself. Right? So that's why the Bible says in Corinthians, it says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, it says, for we are ambassadors for Christ. Let me just lay this out for you. This is not our permanent home. We are an ambassador. An ambassador goes into another kingdom as a representative of the kingdom to which he is a citizen of. So if I'm an ambassador for America, there's an embassy over in Europe. The ground there where the embassy is in Europe is a sovereign of America. So if you're an American citizen over there in Europe or Germany or pick your, pick your country and you get into some kind of trouble in Germany and you're being chased by the authorities of that kingdom, Germany, that country, what does a citizen of the United States do? They run to the embassy. Why do they do that? Because the embassy is a sovereign of 
the United States, another kingdom. And so the rules are not the same. You are protected. That's why sometimes Christians who want to live out here in, in Germany and get in trouble in the world when they have a problem, they run back to the embassy of God. Help me, Lord. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about. You're a kingdom of, of, the, of God. You, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so when you're outside and you're trying to fit into the world and its system and its kingdom, it's very, the struggle's real, right? And church, even in itself, sometimes we have been taught things and people preach things that try to help us uh, become, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, become uh, a a prosperous, wealthy citizen of the kingdom of this world. Well, you can do that, but the only proof that it's God putting you on that assignment is that no matter what you do, you climb the height, just like C.J. Stroud, football player. I love football. Okay, play for Ohio State. Now he plays for, uh, help me somebody, Houston. <laughs> Every time he gets an opportunity and they get put the camera in his face, what does he say? First, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He doesn't say God. He says, Jesus, I want to make sure you know this, that my wealth, my success, my talent, my gift, my platform is a result of of my citizenship in the kingdom of God granted to me by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? So in all things, give glory to God. You may not have that big of a platform, but whatever platform God gives you, if you want that platform to grow, you got to make sure you're giving glory to Jesus in that moment. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that have the same, have gifts and talents that was given to them by God. And they are given the same platform. And they're the same microphone and the same cameras put in their face. But they're not giving glory to God. They're giving glory to their teammates. They're giving glory to their coach. They're giving glory to the system, right? They're giving glory to their fans. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it just goes to show you one gives glory to whom it is due. Another gives glory to self and, and idol worship. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. If God gives you something, even if you don't want to praise him for it, doesn't mean you can't use what he gave you and prosper in this world. But I'll say this, it's temporary. A guy, very, very famous guy on Wall Street, Charlie Munger, just died last week. He's the partner of Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world, great investors over the years, and so on and so forth. Charlie Munger died at the age of 99. And multi-billionaire when he died. You know, how, you know how much he's got now? You know how much he left when he died? All of it. 
<laughs> One day you're a billionaire. The next day you got nothing. Now, the only way that those billions of dollars made their way from this planet to the next kingdom, from this kingdom to the kingdom of God, the only way those dollars made it as a representation of Charlie Munger and his great prowess to invest and to see and the wisdom that he had, the understanding that he had about investments and making money is this one thing. Did he give glory to Jesus and use his gifts and talents to promote God's kingdom. If he did that, those billions of dollars made it to the other side with him, his reward. Right? He, he, he translated those natural dollars into spiritual currency by giving glory to God. But I don't think that was Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger wasn't giving glory to God. <clears throat> he promoted everything secular, everything demonic, everything just like his partner, Warren Buffett, who, who he'll be next. He's getting up there in age. That's why the, the rich, the mega rich, really at the end of their life, they hate God. George Soros is another one. I think he may have just died or getting ready to die. He's on his last leg. He's... They get angry with God because they realize, oh my gosh, this was just temporary. I thought it was forever. And I amassed this great wealth and I've got to leave it here. Solomon, the great king, had the same issue. I amassed a great wealth on this planet. And at the end of his life, he says, it's vanity. It means nothing because it's temporary, right? So what are we trying to figure out here? As a human being born into this planet, trying to find and recognize the, the opportunity of citizenship into which the country we were born in so we can create opportunity and success and wealth and happiness and grow a family and leave, leave, leave a legacy and all those things. I mean, that is a real thing. But it is also a real thing when you become born again into the kingdom of God. What are you doing? You're trying to find out who you are <clears throat> in this kingdom. What the rules are in the kingdom of God. What the expectation is in the kingdom of God. How can I be successful as a citizen of the kingdom of God? The Bible says in Corinthians, he says, He that is in Christ is a brand new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new unto him. It is a becoming process. The Apostle Paul said, I travail again until Christ be formed in you, the kingdom of God. Sometimes Christians live very frustrated because they got the down payment or the earnest of the kingdom of God in them from the time when they became born again, and yet they're trying to live out a kingdom life in the kingdom of darkness and find happiness there. As though because they're a kingdom of the kingdom of God and they're a citizen of the kingdom of God, somehow the world... The kingdom of darkness owes them happiness for it. Right? 
The Bible says, let me just break this down. Over there in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to show you a scripture here real quick. We'll go through some more. You get anything out of this? I'm going to break this down. We're going to get this because when we leave here, we're going to leave here with an anchor in our soul to know that we're citizens of the kingdom of God and it's okay not to be accepted by the world. He says here in verse 14, Well, let's, let's go to verse 12. That we, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. That we should be to us the praise of his glory, whom first trusted Christ, in whom ye also trusted after... I, I love my glasses. I'm getting new eyeballs. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What did he say here? In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye what? Believed, and ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of promise. Okay, so... You trusted, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after that you believed, and after you believed, you were what? Sealed. God sealed you. He's preserved you. If, if I seal, if I can green beans... And I'm, can, I'm reaping that harvest and I'm canning them and I'm boiling them. I'm putting them in those cans and, and I'm boiling them in water and I, I put the lid on it. I want that lid to pop because I know it's been sealed and preserved. Throw a little salt in there. It's been sealed. It's been preserved. And I put it on the shelf. Why do you do that? Because you're preserving it for another time. <laughs> We're not being sealed here for this time. We're being preserved for another time. Oh, my goodness. Where Christians have missed it and where we have been taught in error is that it's for this time. No, this time represents a partial, and I'm going to show it to you. Turn to your neighbor and say partial. He says in verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance? Earnest very simply means if you go buy a house today and you're going you're gonna to say, that is my home, I want that home. The owner's going to say, prove that you want that home. Prove it to me by giving me some earnest money. A down payment. I, all I need for, you to, uh, for me to hold this for you is a down payment. And that's what he says here. You were sealed with the Holy Ghost, the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance. Oh, my goodness. Ain't God a good God? It's not the fullness of our inheritance. It's a down payment of our inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchase possession unto the praise and the glory of God. Until the purchase possession, which is us, until we get the total pur purchase of the inheritance of our redemption. 
You just got part of it. You cannot expect the whole when God only gave you part. We've been taught in many circles that you can expect the whole when you've only been given part. What does, what does that mean? Well, so we prayed for people to be healed this morning. That is a promise of God that he wants us to be healed, to do his will. And even if God heals you, it's not a permanent. Okay? And even if he doesn't heal you, it's not a permanent. And so people's faith rises and falls. They construct and they deconstruct based upon God's response to their expectation, which most of the time is laid out without understanding. You got to see the big enchilada here. Sure, if you get sick, I want to pray for you and believe God to heal you. What did the Apostle Paul say? He was in bad shape. He said, He said, At this time, I'd much rather go on and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says to the church at Philippi, I've had enough of this life. I've had enough of my brothers, my sisters. I've had enough. He said, I'd much rather go on and be with the Lord. He says, but for your sakes, I'm going to stay a little longer. In other words, he was saying, God's not done with me here yet. So sickness did not have the opportunity to take him out. He says, for to live is Christ. In other words, if I'm going to live... If I get to stay here, it's Christ. But people want to be healed in the name of Jesus. And as soon as they get their healing, they step out of Christ and go back off and do their own thing. Until trouble comes again. And then they want to run back to the embassy. <laughs> they run right back to the church. I can't get no help up in here. The church is our embassy. There's thousands of embassies around the world this morning represented by the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not every one of them are a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just put that out there. But just like you know how your family responds to, they'll make fun of you for visiting the embassy every Sunday. Some of you more than that. Until they find themselves in trouble, then they want to call you. Why? Because you've been at the embassy. You know the kingdom rules. You got the understanding. You know how to touch heaven. What he say? And so, so we've tried to tried to take a partial and a down payment of the inheritance and we've tried to turn it into the fullness every promise belongs to us and if you if you didn't get your promise 
It's because you didn't have enough faith. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You didn't get it either. Some of the people that preach that stuff die young in the pulpit. I can't get any help up in here. It's not about this life. This is part of it, but this isn't the end. Are you a citizen of the kingdom of heaven or not? Yeah, come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Give God some praise. This is going to help you because I see so many people by the hundreds and probably by the thousands around the world at a point and a place in their life and understanding of Christianity have totally spent hours and even days, months, and years taking it apart. Because they thought they were promised the whole. Well, after all, didn't he say... When you pray, pray in this manner, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, then they'll say, well, is there sickness in heaven? No, and they ain't dying up there either. So, yeah, we, 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 don't, we want God to heal us here, but if it was really the kingdom as it was in heaven, you wouldn't die and you wouldn't get sick again. It's a fallacy. Laying false hope and expectation, causing people to stumble in their faith. Getting quiet in this Holy Ghost church. You say, what's the point? Now, you got to understand that your citizenship is not of this world. Let's look at a few more scriptures. Well, did he not say... In 3 John 2, that I will that you would prosper and that you would be in good health even as thy soul prospers. Is that an invitation to the full inheritance? No. Definitely God wants you healthy. Definitely he wants your soul to prosper. Definitely he wants you to be in good health. Why? To live as Christ. To die is Cain. If you want to put that expectation on God and think that you're going to be, it's going to be able to apply to you, you must also put this caveat in Christ. I don't get to live and prosper and be in good health even as my soul prospers to do my own thing. And put that expectation on God. You may be prosperous. Your soul may be prospering. You may be living in good health. And you may be doing your own thing. But don't attribute that to the promise of God if it's outside of Christ. It's the rain falling on the just and the unjust. The sun shining on the just and the unjust. Who are you giving allegiance to? Who are you giving glory to? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, what is the earnest of the down payment? Well, the Bible says it explains it to us. It tells us right here. It says that the kingdom of God, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
that is all internal manifestations. <laughs> is that not right? If you are born into the kingdom of God, if you're born again into the kingdom of God, then what is the earnest of the down payment as a citizen of the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. It's all internal. The kingdom of God is in you. It's your conscience, your self-awareness, and your soul being at peace, knowing that you're right with God, which produces the joy of the Holy Ghost. That no matter what's going on in your life, it's going to be all right. Because I got it in here. It don't matter what's going on out there. Your world's in chaos. You go to bed with questions. You suffer under depression. You walk and live in fear. You're bound to addiction. You don't have any joy. Your peace is wrecked all the time. You take two steps forward, you get knocked back three steps. As a Christian, you're trying to manifest the kingdom of God in, a, in the dark world. It's not out here, my friend. It's in here. And if you don't have it in here and you're trying to manipulate this out here, out there, to give you joy and peace, you're going to come up short. How many people do you know that's made millions of dollars and rose and risen to the height of their craft only to get there and say, is this it? Is this all there is? Cars, Lambos, relationships with whoever I want, manipulation. Is this all this? This, this, this is the end of the thing? This is, this is the treasure? This is the, at the end of the rainbow? You can only get so much joy out of the things of this world that will produce a sense of happiness. But that happiness is based upon happenings. I'm talking about internal joy that is present no matter what happens. Because you live long enough, life's going to throw some things at you. Whether you're Charlie Munger, got billions of dollars, or you're living under a bridge on the other side of the tracks downtown. Life's coming for you. This life ain't fair. Why? Because Satan is the God of this world. He hates God's children. He has a temporary lease on this planet. He has principalities established over nations. He manipulates the masses. He is the master of deception. He is the one who puts the blinders on your eyes. He's the one that puts the carrot on the stick. Come and get this and then you'll be fool. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Nothing there. But when you become born again, and you become a citizen of the kingdom. Your earnest expectation of your inheritance is the down payment. 
sealing you for a time in the future to receive the full price of your redemption. But if you got the Holy Ghost, you got enough to have joy in a world that's gone mad, to have hope in a world that's living in despair, to have peace in the midst of a world filled with chaos and war, hatred and murder. Glory to Jesus. Why? Because I'm sealed for another time. This is not my home. I'm just traveling here as a sojourner. I'm an ambassador here representing the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom I'm not establishing out here. I'm establishing it in the hearts of men. That's our job. Everywhere you go, be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. What are you doing? You're establishing the kingdom of God. Not out here building buildings and laying out systems and social construction. You're putting it in the hearts of men. Getting them sealed for a time in the future. Letting them live with the earnest of the expectation, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. <sighs> if you can hold on to that, no matter what happens out here, you know it's temporary. Einstein didn't invent the theory of relativity. The apostle Paul wrote about it in the Bible. He said things that are seen are temporary and subject to change. The theory of relativity, everything's relative to its surroundings, except this one thing, light. It's a constant. Paul said things that are seen are temporary and subject to change. Don't put your hope in the relative of this world and its system. He said, but put your hope in the things that you cannot see because they are permanent and they are eternal, right? What are we looking at? Go ahead and get all you can out of this life in Christ. Christ will give you, he'll give you success, He'll give you children. He'll give you family. He'll help you leave a legacy. He'll do all that. And you'll extract some joy from that. But don't think for a moment it doesn't come without some pain. But when you do it in Christ, you endure it. And stay with your spouse and not leave them. You endure it. <laughs> and pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And step out another day and claim the gospel of Christ. You know, we uh, took a family picture the other day. Jennifer, she posted on Facebook. I think there's like 21 of us there. Just, just, just our group. And how blessed I am. But, you know, when you put a picture up on Facebook like that, you know, everybody looks at it and says, man, how blessed Look at that family. Look how handsome they are. Look at, especially that dad. He's really got it. Oh, I like his, I like his beard. <laughs> but I was telling Jennifer, I said, honey, I said, you know what you need to do? 
because everybody puts up the best on Facebook and everybody sits back and scrolls past it and sometimes it's like joy and most of the time it comes with a sense of comparison. Man, how come my life isn't that way? How come my... How come the food at my table don't look like that? I mean, we put pictures up of our food so people will envy it. Don't take offense. <laughs> look at this. Look at our look how blessed we are. I told Jennifer, I said, you need to also put up there. Just in case you didn't know what you were looking at. You're looking at addiction to freedom. You're looking at divorce to recovery. You're looking at rape to victory. You're looking at pain to joy. You're looking at loss. You're looking at, you're looking at a widower with four babies with no mama and hope. You're not, you don't even know what you're looking at. We know what we want it to look like and how we want you to perceive it. But the reality is, that's life, baby. Why can we stand there, pose like that with smiles on, with all those testimonies? Because it's in Christ. That's it. In Him, you can, we can project that, that picture and portrait to you and we want you to expect and look at it and say how blessed how beautiful man look at that legacy but I can't tell you and put that up there and let you think it didn't cost something sleepless nights painful phone calls Wondering and worrying, are they dead or alive? Can you preserve it? Can you, wait a minute, it's scattered and tattered and broken apart. Is there any way we can bring it back together again? In Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And if I, if I stay in Christ, eventually I'm going to bring you a portrait of family and legacy and joy and victory. But don't think it happened in a vacuum. <laughs> Can I get a witness out there? Well, put your hands together. Yeah, praise you, Father. This life comes with that.
but the manifestation that you're looking at isn't the success because of what this world gave me. It's success because of my citizenship in the kingdom of God, which isn't out here in that portrait. It's in here. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This life will do nothing but disappoint you. Period. How do you stand? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple, one more scripture, and we'll we'll close. Go to Hebrews eleven thirteen. We're gonna finish this out. You need just to know who you are. Abraham said, I'm a sojourner. I'm just a pilgrim. This ain't my home. Don't don't be confused as though you think all this that you see around you and all this success is my home. What I say, Hebrews? Can I find it? Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see if I got that right. Let's look at verse 13. This is a wonderful chapter, the writer of Hebrews. It's the chapter of faith. He said, These all died in faith, not having received the promise. Whoa! I thought you didn't have enough faith if you didn't get the promise. Maybe just the opposite. Because if we're trying to manifest the kingdom of heaven and eternal promises in a temporary life, what's the purpose of being sealed? Why, why, the da- why only a down payment? What did they say? They all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. Listen, I don't care what neighborhood you, you live in. And obviously some neighborhoods are nicer than the others. And how many in here want to live in the nice neighborhood, right? I got you. It's all, it's all good. But from there, can, are you still looking afar off? Because that ain't it either. Are you, are you living in a two-bedroom apartment and you ain't got room to, for a laundry basket? <laughs> that ain't it. Can you see afar off? And I'm not talking to the neighborhood on the other side of the street. You got to look a little further than that. Because even in the neighborhood on the other side of the street, there's another track for them to cross <laughs> in this life. Well, well, you know, and I've I, I seen it. I've seen people live in a million-dollar home that want to live in a $3 million home. People that live in $3 million homes want to live in, live in $20 million homes. It'll never be enough. You're not looking far enough. That's why you can't be content where you're at. 
<laughs> Godliness with contentment is gain. Great gain. All right, Lord, he say here. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Has that changed? Because of technology? <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is, this is it. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God, but you don't get it all yet. You don't get the full inheritance yet. And, 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 and if God doesn't heal your body, you can't say he's not giving me my inheritance. Or if God doesn't make you a millionaire, you can't say he isn't giving you your inheritance. Or if God doesn't give you your dream, you can't say he isn't giving you your inheritance. Your inheritance isn't here. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Well, yeah, that's right, preacher. You're just comforting the poor. Bro, you got to die too. Ask Charlie Munger. A billionaire who left it all. So don't get so full of yourself and parade yourself and your idolatry and your atheism and parading yourself and trying to destroy people's hope and people's faith in God when it's plainly easy to see that there is a God in heaven who made this earth for his human children to give them an eternal hope of residency with him. Well, if God healed your body, you received the promise. If God gave you money, you received your promise. No, you didn't. Because if it was the promise he gives, it'd be permanent. Right? That is the Apostle Paul. I've had a lot and I've had a little. No matter what state I'm in, I've, I've learned to be content. He didn't say, I had a lot and I was walking in the promises. And I had a little and he took the promises away. Right? No, that's not how this works. Give God praise for your healing. Give God praise for your provision. Give God praise for your family, your, her your, your heritage. Give him praise for all that in Christ. He's worthy of that praise. They are blessings from him. But that's not the inheritance. That's not. The promise is far off. That's why you've been sealed. So you don't get corrupted. Until you get the promise. You don't get corrupted before Jesus takes you off the shelf and says, now's time. I'm cracking the whip. I'm rolling back the sky like a scroll. I'm about ready to re-enter this planet on a mighty white horse. My eyes flames of fire. My hair's white as wool. I have a vesture dipped in blood and on my thighs written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And behind me is a heavenly angel, a host of warriors and saints. 
in a moment of a twinkling of an eye, he's going to take you off that shelf, you can of green beans. <laughs> Does this just make sense or am I out there and should I just, just call it quits? <laughs> I mean, I meant permanently, because this is all I know. <laughs> but I will go on time. If you come to Christ, and after you come to him, somehow you think he owes you something, after you received the partial inheritance, the Holy Ghost, the born-again experience, the sealing of the Spirit, if you've been taught that, okay, now he owes you more. I don't see where he owes us anything. Because it's not translatable to your brothers and sisters that are suffering in China and suffering in Uganda and North Korea and right? I'm gonna walk into North Korea. And tell the underground church that'll be killed if they're found with a Bible and say, hey, Jesus wants you to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Throw a little into the plate. Oh, that's quiet. If it doesn't translate for your brothers and sisters that you don't know that live in bondage in this world, how? In the world, can we turn it into doctrine? Oh my gosh, I hope I'm not stepping on toes. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to anchor your soul. Make you a man and a woman of God, a child of faith who's standing on the bedrock of your salvation, whose soul is anchored to the rock that no matter what this life throws at you and no matter what expectation went unmet in this life, no matter how rich or how poor, no matter how happy or how sad, man, you got to look afar off. This ain't it. So what do we do today? And I'm closing. What do we do now? All right, preacher. What do we do? We're born in to the kingdom of God. We're a citizen of the kingdom now. I got my passport. I'm saved. I'm born again. What do we do now? Well, the first thing you should be seeking to do is get baptized in water. Why? Because he said so. Next thing you should do is find out what your rights are as a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
The devil's been tormenting me in his world. He's got me bound and addicted and afflicted and I'm trapped and I'm and sorrowful and pain. I'm depressed. What does the kingdom, what does the new kingdom say about that? New kingdom says you don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. You don't, ha- you don't have to be uh, uh, living, living hopeless anymore. You, you don't have to live a life of despair anymore. Well, when does that change? When, when, when I get enough money to manipulate the world around me where I can venture out and say, ding, 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 success. No. It happens in here. Because you may not get to be that multi-millionaire that God uses to support the kingdom and the gospel. You might get to go to Calcutta and take care of orphans and bandage putrefying sores every day. As a representative of Christ, put your life on the line. Go into the Congo and preach Jesus. Smuggle Bibles into North Korea. What does, what does that mean? Does that mean you didn't get the promise? No, you got it. It just looks different than that, guys. You're made for what you're made for. You're called for for what you're called for. And the ones that go and do and put on bandages on the putrefying sores and, and start orphanages and live in huts and sleep on dirt are thankful for the ones that are over here making wealth and money to support this over here. Right? Don't they work together? Jesus said it this way, it's the Lord thy God that gives you the ability to get wealth that he may establish his kingdom. Charlie Munger should have used his wealth to help establish the kingdom of God. He wouldn't be burning in hell right now. Well, that's pretty harsh. No, it's just the way it is. How do you know if somebody's prosperity comes from, from God or not? Who are they giving glory to? It's very simple. And if God by some chance says, I'm going to put my finger on you and I'm going to anoint you to be that superstar. I'm going to anoint you to stand on that platform on the world. I'm going to anoint you where millions of eyeballs look at you. You better say first and foremost, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gives me the opportunity and the gift and the talent to even be here. Right? I remember, I'm closing, I'm I'm way done. I remember when I remember when God, uh, when we moved to Atlanta, and God blessed us. Uh, dear Marty, he, he helped move me there. Bless his, bless his heart. 
I, nobody moves like I move. No, he, no, he knows that. But we went to Atlanta, and God moved us into a very exclusive neighborhood, gated community, $2 million home, athletes, professional athletes, surgeons, bond traders. I could name names. You know who I'm talking about, neighbors, kids, kids who our kids went to school with, and so on, producers, TV producers, name it. And when we lived there, we didn't go in there and try to hide our Christianity. Of course, we were way out of our league, and I told my wife, don't get used to this. This is an assignment. Living on the sixth hole of a Greg Norman newly built golf course. It was absolutely gorgeous. The swimming pool was like a little mini carnival. I mean, <laughs> you couldn't even get into the community without, there was a guard at the shack. You couldn't get in there unless you had a little metal key that opened the door, opened the, the gates. It was just it was gorgeous. It was just, I wasn't like, oh, I have arrived. <laughs> No, compared to them, I was broke. And I had to look at it. How did I get here? Well, how are we eating dinners with these athletes and these professional coaches, coach of the Atlanta Falcons, all of it? We'd go have dinner in their homes. People that were, were business owners and Starters of banks on corporate boards. Guy lived in that community. Another gate within that gated community, 50,000 square foot home, was the largest shareholder, private shareholder of the Bank of America. He was a billionaire. Joshua golfed with his grandson often and actually golfed with him one day. How did we get there? I know you all think you know us, but you don't. How, how we get there? And the word was, they're pastors. What are pastors doing living in this neighborhood? How did they get here? What, what, was, what was I doing there? One thing, what's the assignment here, Lord? I don't want to miss this assignment because this opportunity ain't going to last long. This is a short window. And in the midst of all of it, Jennifer leading Bible studies, us laying hands on multimillionaire bond traders and tumors shrinking in their head, giving glory to Jesus. Helping friends walk through a devastating loss of $190 billion, $190 million being washed and losing their business and their private jets and their cars and their 16,000 square foot homes and walking them through it. One guy kills himself, can't take it. The other guy is risen back up again and still a great friend today. Living in another gated community in Orlando or in and uh, off 30A in Florida now. The assignment is Christ. 
assignment is Jesus. Those amenities are great, but they're just amenities. What's more important is those souls. And I could tell you testimony after testimony after testimony. And if I had mistaken that as that is who I am now, I'd have been crushed. Because as fast as God gave it, he took it away. Right? That doesn't matter. What does matter is when I was there, did I do the assignment? Because that's going to last. The house I lived in won't. Those souls is what matters. Can I see far off? All sure, I was swelled up and puffed up a little bit and stood a little taller and walked a little prouder. But I wasn't stupid. I'm a believer. I live on Katrina. I like the house, but it ain't my home. I lived on Blackwater Way. Beautiful home. Pool, sauna, hot tub, sixth hole. Watching Michael Jordan play down our fairway. That wasn't my home either. Get a hold of this. Because then you'll learn that only what you do for Christ is going to last. And it'll cause you to seize every opportunity to be in Christ. Tell everybody that you know that you are who you are because of Jesus. Tell everybody that you know that picture's so perfect because of Jesus. Tell everybody that you know I live in this neighborhood because of Jesus. Tell everybody that you know I got this business because of Jesus. Tell everybody that you know I'm throwing a football in the NFL because of Jesus. That's your assignment. And if you can do that, you won't be pulled away with every wind of squirrely doctrine trying to give you your best life now and telling you to get enough faith so you can have enough more stuff. Oh, my Lord Jesus, help me. This is your anchor. Don't be in despair. Don't fret. Don't be envious. Don't be jealous. Don't compare yourself. Don't try to be something that you're not. Be happy that you are who you are and that you are in Christ and the kingdom of God lives on the inside of you. Be content with little. Be content with a lot. But be smart enough to see far off. That'll make your day today have more meaning. That'll give you hope in your struggle. That'll give you peace in your chaos. Oh, Father, let's pray. Jesus, we love you today. I thank you for your word. It makes so much sense. I'm so glad I'm your child and I'm, I'm not of this world. I'm an ambassador. And whatever promise I get here 
If you manifest a promise of healing, I know it's temporary. If you manifest a promise of provision, I know it's temporary. If you manifest a promise of anything that's in this world, it's temporary. And I refuse to exchange a temporary promise for the eternal hope of God. So if you heal me or you don't heal me, I've got hope. If I'm rich or if I'm poor, it doesn't matter, I got hope. If you give me everything that I want or you don't, it doesn't matter. I got hope. I pray today, everybody watching, under the sound of my voice, sitting here, watching online, God, I pray today that you give them a revelation and understanding to see afar off and understand that they are sealed not for today, they're sealed for another time. And Jesus, you're coming soon and very soon, and you're going to end the chaos of this world, and you're going to turn this world right side up again. You're going to take, you're going to take, you will no longer be ambassadors, but we will be on the homeland. We love you, Jesus. Savior. Yes. Just ask him right there where you're at. God, give me revelation. Give me understanding. I got this. I trust you, Lord. You're my Savior. You're the one. Never, 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 never fail. Come on, worship for a minute.